Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Shine football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Happy Friday, kids! And happy Footy Kid Friday as yeah. well. We love it. Susanna Collins, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerrero. So we've got Summer Hunter in for some headlines. Um, Alexis, mm. I'm very excited for you. Hoodie, hoodie Kit Friday for it. you, my friend. Uh, it took me an extra 10 minutes and mm -hmm. I woke my wife up, but I finally found a hoodie small enough and a kit big enough for me to be able to do Hoodie Kit Friday. And are, how comfortable are you right now? How's your temp? Perfect, comfortable. I feel like I'm wearing a Snuggie. <laughs> it looks good. It's nice. It's also a bootleg hoodie underneath. Maybe it's, a, it's a good, good, good kit too. What yeah. do we got, Puebla? Uh, yeah, Puebla. this is Puebla. Shouts to uh, all the Mexicanos in Nueva York. A lot of them from Puebla. That's right. Shouts to all my papalos, all my torta eaters. Let's go. You know Cinco de Mayo? Beasley. <laughs> all my semitas. Uh, DeMarcus. You know Cinco de Mayo? Yeah. It's the Battle of Puebla. That's what's celebrated on Cinco de Mayo. People think it's like Mexican independence. No, it's not. Battle of Puebla. It's not. And they don't even care about it. Um, all right, let's get into uh, some soccer, shall we? Uh, how about yesterday's Europa League results? Here is how it all went down. Woo, this one was wild. Villarreal, 3-2 over Ren. We're going to get into a, a controversial call in that game in just a bit. Brighton get the 1-0 win over Marseille. Uh, Union Saint-Gilloise, 2-1 over Liverpool. This was another huge result. Rangers. 3-2 over Real. Betis, did I say it right? You did. Bit. Hey! You we did had a it. big debate this morning. Yes. It's not actually a debate, it's just that most people were pronouncing it wrong, including myself. Um, so there we go. All right, should we, uh, should we talk about this Ren Villarreal match? Because this was nuts. Yes. So this was at the, in stoppage time, Ren thought that they had what would have been the equalizer. And this would have put them on top of the group had this counted. So they score a goal, crazy celebrations. Look, the there, the is, there is no, nothing said at that point about it being a, right. an infraction, so, right? So this goes to, to VAR, and I think initially people were, it was unclear. We, I thought perhaps it was offside. I was, there handball? was there a handball? Was there, was, was Don't there. really know what's going on, but what actually happened was it was a, a free kick infringement. So if you watch right here, he But it looks like makes that the free the kick. player touches it, it's, right? The Villarreal defender. But it hits off the crossbar, comes back to him, and he is the first person to touch the ball, which in the rule book, the official rule book, negate, like, it's it's dead. The goal will not stand because you cannot be the first person to touch the ball after a free kick. Can, can I read you, you straight from the law? Please, Please do, Nico. Law 13 free kick. If, after the ball is in play, the kicker touches the ball again before it has touched another player, an indirect free kick is awarded. Now, Plain and simple. But can if I say you're something? watching that, get, it, that replay, it does look like the Villarreal defender 
makes a when he slight puts his touch boot to up. it. Yes. yes. You're not wrong because there's a little bit, the, the ball is softened in its return. But I will say, Nico's mentioned this before, the spirit of the law, right? The spirit of the rule. This is not what that, what that rule was intended. It was intended to stop someone from essentially passing to themselves or slightly touching it and taking the first touch. Coming off the crossbar, this feels like Ren were, the, 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 the vibes were stolen from them. No? Yeah, I, I, I agree in the sense of the spirit of the law. Um, maybe they should specify that unless, unless it hits the woodwork or and any type of the frame of the goal. Just like in a penalty kick. Mm. If you're a free kick taker, you hit a penalty kick, it hits off of the post, and the goalkeeper doesn't you touch can't, it. You it can't. comes back to yeah. you. If you touch it, indirect free kick going the other way. And, and, I, and I agree with that. That should be the case. Because that's a penalty why kick. It's it, a, because it's such it because there's no there's no there's nobody there. Defenders. It's it's yeah. it's an unfair advantage. Sure. If you miss a PK, sure. you shouldn't get a second yeah, chance. Yeah, this, this seems so this unlikely is like, that you're going to hit the crossbar. Yeah. Anyway, you're you're like, 20 yards out. Small percentage. You hit the crossbar. You have all these players in front of you. The defender makes an attempt to play the ball, mind you, and then there's still some plays across and a goal. That feels they were they were hard. So done. it's the a crazy attempt to play the ball should have. No, but then, the rule. not even, I think if you want to yeah, conserve a certain spirit, not even attempt to play the ball. It hit off, it hit off the post, balls in play. Right. Like, and then, but, but that, again, you have if to you specify say, that in the rule. If you want to say, we don't want to specify S that. Similarly. But someone making an taking a chance to, to try to touch the ball, and they just happen to whiff and miss it, that, that shouldn't count against. And also, if he doesn't take a touch, that's a potential, uh, you know, sort of counterattack there. So, I mean, Correct. he's not just going to stand there and No, yeah, he's go he's, no, he's going to stand there and if there's a there's a counterattack touch it so it's indirect free kick we set up so right. that they don't get that counterattack in this in a similar vein i'm just hypothetically thinking because there are certain other situations where this can happen it'll very most likely not happen but i'm thinking of what they were thinking about ifap when they were putting this rule into the laws if you hit a free kick mm -hmm. and it hits a corner flag and comes back to you it didn't hit anybody else that's an indirect free kick if you kick the ball and it hits the referee, and it comes back to you. It didn't touch another player. The rule says if it touches another player, and it comes back to you, and you touch Man. it. I imagine those are the situations I think that it they're was trying the, to circumvent. I think it was more like a soft touch and then run with the ball. Almost that that is yourself. first think, and foremost. Yeah, I think that is the reason they wrote the rule, not if it happens to come off a crossbar like, you know, in basketball when someone takes it off the backboard and dunks it. I don't think anyone would have expected this to happen, and it just feels like Ren... A moment was stolen from that. And then uh, uh, another crazy match was uh, Brighton-Marseille because of the implications of who finishes first. And Marseille just needed a draw. And, and Brighton got their, got their late winner in the 88th minute. Woo! They sure fun. did. It was, it was a fun one. Right. We're going to wow. dive uh, further into that result later on in the show. Uh, but on Monday, oh, you guys are going to have another early start, mm. aren't you? Oh, An wow. Don't say. morning footy starting at 7 a.m. That is because we've got the Champions League draw as well as the Europa League draw. And we have live yeah. reaction a to the three-hour show. three-hour show. Yes. For us. Uh, all right, guys, we're taking a break. Uh, we're going to have some headlines up next. I can't Stay feel my us. feet. <laughs> Drill a hole in it. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, this is a new flavor of Lay's potato <laughs> Yo, chips. if you're in England, you're oh, not going to Oh, delicious. Mate. Oh. Mate flavored potato chips. Now, 
I admittedly have never tried mate, so I can't say whether or not this would be good. Uh, but, oh my gosh, she's doing it. This is when you become she's Susanna Fouillet. Godspeed. Okay. Guys, let's take Guys, a look at this. camera. And she's sipping, and... I kind of like it. Ooh! It's good. It tastes like Lay's. <laughs> this flavor combo, though, no. Yeah, I'm just also, gonna say no. You're not gonna I, 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 don't, I don't hate that. Have, an, have another swig. Have a. They have to put the accent to... over the e in mate. That's the only thing I'm gonna suggest because right now that just says me. I really like it. It's really nice. It's like herbaceous. Yeah. And yes, like... it is. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'll mess with that. It's Hell yeah. Hey, guess what? I'm a mate fan. Mm. There you go. You know what's my problem with the E? I totally understand because in English you read it and it, you read it mate. Which is not a flavor I want to try. Right. <laughs> and with the E, when, when you have that tilde on the E, it's technically not mate anymore. It becomes mate. Mateo. So it's like, <laughs> also mate. I can't yeah, you I gotta, like that. You got to throw an accent or something. You, is, is Messi really on the, is he on the Lay's bag though? Yeah, is that well, part of the should marketing? He have, should he not be holding the mate gourd? <laughs> I know, He's just standing insane. there holding a soccer ball. It makes no sense. I like it. It's a classic. It's a classic Argentine mate. Though. Like this is a Uruguayan mate. Okay. That, that is that, that is typical. That gourd cl is a classic Argentine gourd of mate. I'm trying to picture like the salty potato chip mixed with that, and I'm just thinking that's a whole. You know, have you ever no. not been to like one of those like Japanese snack stores? In yeah. The city? Oh, they've got wild yeah. flavors. They've got um, they've got matcha. As our as our resident chips. flavor expert, though, mm. I mean, what do you think of this? Okay, so it's a it's a slightly bitter, oh herbaceous, floral flavor. And sometimes those go good with salt. Think of mm. uh, salads that are prepared with pickling. They work together. I've had mate ice cream before, and it's not that bad. Yeah. Ice cream is a pretty, pretty flat flavor. It's just milk. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm willing to try it. I well, mean, it's rare that I meet a potato chip that I don't enjoy. So. No, that's not true. Shrimp. Shrimp flavored chips. Oh god. Prawn, prawn, oh, prawn. prawn cocktail. <laughs> nah, because they got that. You know why? Because they got that like mushroom powder. It just makes you feel sick. Oh, oh man. Nah. Just thinking about, I, uh -huh. I can't even. Oh. Nah. Oh boy. Shrimp potato chip flavor. Have you ever oh, had yeah. uh, prawn cocktails? Oh, jamon uh, serrano chips. Oh, that really sounds good. good. They're from Spain. You know who else is from? You guys are making me sick. <laughs> I'm like starting to feel okay. nauseous already. Semra, Semra Hunter lives in Barcelona. Are, are there crazy potato chip flavors in no. in Spain, or no. do they keep it pretty? They keep it pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. I think if they saw potato chips that had a jamón serrano flavor, they would be like, "This is sacrilegious! <laughs> what what's this? happening here?" Yeah, that's actually Torres is a brand. It's from Spain. Wait, so it actually exists? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not making that up. Do they exist here in the U.S.? Because I don't think they exist in no, Spain. No, they're from Spain. They, you pay oh, really? a lot of money for them here. Yeah, because they're from Spain. I think they probably just export it here because yeah. I'm telling you, any they Spanish have, person would look at that <laughs> and be like, like They nah, have three nah. flavors. They have jamón serrano, they have uh, champagne, and super Spanish, they have cigarette flavor. <laughs> oh, oh, Alexis. Oh, come on. Like Where's the love, funny. Alexis? Jeez, Louise. Funny I like group. your kit, by the way. Thank you. You know, I've got a rep. Obviously. Obviously. I've got to rep someone it's from La Liga. Cool. Very cool. Does it have a number on the back? It does. I'll oh. give you a hint. Okay. Nice. Hey. Uh, Luka Modric. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo, I love you. That must have been the last Madrid kit he wore. Was it? He, oh God, when did he leave? It was 20... 18, 19. 18, 19. I was going to say 18, 19, I think was the season. 
I'll look it up. While you do the headlines, I'll try to find out if that was one of the last kits. Yeah. One of the kits in the last season that he wore. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well done. Yeah. One of the more recent kits. So we'll nail down the actual season. Yeah. We'll in the meantime, in I'll, the meantime, I'll give Nico some homework to do then. And we'll go through the headlines for you. And we can start in Mexico, where an Oziel Herrera equalizer helped give Tigres a one-all draw against Club America last night in the first leg of the La Liga MX final. A Henry Martin, a penalty kick opened the scoring in the 51st minute after a goalless first half. But Herrera headed home a Sebastian Cordova corner to kick to equalize. The second leg take, takes place on Sunday at Estadio Azteca with America seeking a record 14th Liga MX title and Tigres attempting to win back-to-back -back titles. Now in international soccer news, the Women's World Cup champion Spain, can I get a what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has moved to the top spots in the FIFA rankings for the first time in history. Just the fourth country to hold the spot. Spain's continued impressive form after winning the World Cup helped to push them ahead of Sweden, while the US women's national team moved up one place to second after Sweden suffered a four-spot slide following a run of poor results. Now in other FIFA news, the finalists for FIFA Best Player of the Year awards were announced, with Lionel Messi headlining the six players up for the year-end awards. Messi, Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe are the finalists for Men's Player of the Year, while Spain World Cup winners Aitana Bonmati and Jenny Hermoso are joined by Colombian sensation Linda Caicedo as finalists for the Women's Award. Messi and Bonmati will be attempting to add to their Ballon d'Or collection one earlier this year. Now, the FIFA Best Award winners will be announced in London on January 15th. In other and more messy news, jerseys worn by the Argentina superstar at the 2022 <gasps> World Cup fetched a whopping $7.8 million at auction. It was bought by Nico Cantor, by the way. A set of six jerseys worn by Messi in Qatar, one from the first half of each of Argentina's World Cup matches, was sold at auction by Sotheby's, setting a record price for Messi memorabilia. In other news, Nico needs to borrow $7.7 .7 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it fell short, however, of the breaking record for highest price paid for a game-worn jersey, which was the $10 million paid for Michael Jordan NBA Finals jersey from 1999. Diego Maradona's Hand of God Argentina jersey from the 1986 World Cup still holds the world record for most expensive soccer jersey, fetching a $9.3 million. Ooh, Diego Armando Maradona. I gotta say, it's well worth it, though, eh? Did you say Motorola? Motorola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was known as the Razor. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, in major soccer league news, the league will implement a number of rule changes for the 2024 season. Among the initiatives is an off-field treatment rule that will require any player that remains down with a suspected injury for at least 15 seconds to leave the field for at least two minutes before returning to play. MLS will also require any substituted player to exit the field within 10 seconds of the replacement will have to wait an extra minute before entering at the next stoppage. Clocks in the stadium will continue running during stoppage time at the end of each half and pending approval from the International Refereeing Board IFAB, VAR decisions will be announced to fans. MLS has actually already implemented some of these rules in MLS Next Pro and they drew some good results. So Charlie, which of these rules are you a fan of? Which ones are you less of a fan of, and why? To, to be fair, I think I'm a fan of all of them. Okay. I mean, this, is a, this is just gonna keep the game moving at a, at a good pace and kind of 
you know, where sports is heading right now, people don't want to be sitting in stadiums for four hours, two hours, you know, long games. It's short, quick, sharp. Hey, if you're getting subbed, get off the field. No more mm. time wasting. So, uh, you know, players and teams are going to try and figure out different ways to slow down the game. I think substitutions are, one, faking injuries or nursing injuries. Like, now it's get up or get off or you're going to be penalized. That seems really it, quick. It feels pretty quick, so, but I think... You know, one, now that you can get off the field wherever you are, I think the other question is: Is it just going to be the ref counting it in his yeah. own head, or is there going to be, or her own head, or is there? And I really like that the VAR decisions. The ref says, that I love. "Hey." The goal is not standing because offside. As long as they explain it. It's not detailed whether they're going to explain it. We assume they you, will because of the world. You better explain it. They have to explain it or else this is a well, waste. Well, so there's two different situations because we see it happening in NFL. And I think MLS with these experimental rules is very in the vein of MLB that has instituted a, a pitch clock and NFL that explains their decisions to the fans. But in NFL, it's mostly objective calls. Is it in? Is it out? Pass interference or, or not, I guess, can be a little bit more subjective, but yeah. they're usually pretty strict. Out of all the sports, soccer's pretty subjective. So is that a handball or not? I don't know if the referee is going to go out and say, I think it was a handball because it was extended and deliberate. I think the referee is going to look over to VAR and says, at the end of the review, a handball was deemed inside of the box, which is... For the black and white, is it in or out? Did, did the ball cross the line or not? I think that is explainable. But for the subjective rules, I think the final decision is going to be what's going to be told to the fans. Rather, the referee's not going to go into a whole dissertation right, about, but no, but that's about all you need. whether it was a foul or not. But they do that already. They wave off a goal or something happens. Right, but they just, you already know. Yeah, but they'll announce it with, with their words. That's and not going to resolve the issue of fans getting upset with subjective calls or calls that could be gone, or they believe has gone the wrong way. Mm. That's not going to resolve. An explanation right. would do that. No. Simply saying the same thing you do by pointing at the spot or saying no goal is essentially the same thing. But in, a, in particular, Ren Villarreal, you have a Correct. ref go, hey, there you go. everyone, even the players on the field Didn't know. who are confused, who don't know what, what the hell, this should be a goal. Mm -hmm. It's not offside. It's a direct free kick, and the ball came off the post and touched the player who took the free that's kick. That's an explanation. And there though. you go. They need to be right. added, but, but that's, or else but that's a waste of our time. But that is, again, that is not subjective. That's, that's objective. That's in the rules. If that happens, it's an indirect free kick. The point is, it's explaining. Correct. You need to explain. I just, I, I feel like they're not going to go into the into the gray areas of interpretation where. Yeah, they're not going to be like, okay, so no, Steve upstairs in the AR said it was the this, rules. but I didn't believe. Yeah. I don't need the full. I, I have an issue with the ten seconds for the subs because there's already a. It, that changes the dynamic of the game. I, have to, I don't mind. It's get, get, I actually agree with Nico. I, I said get your butt off the field. You can just add more time. Yeah. At the end of the game, it's stoppage time. Remember when Graham Zussi took too long? And now stoppage time, you'll be able to see. Oh, that actually is a great. That's good. That, I, that is a great I'm, rule. I'm actually thrilled about that one. So not I'm everyone's kind of like, like this. Yeah. Yes. Or you got the yeah. one. So you got to trust the one guy. Past the 45 minutes, so you can actually see how much uh, the stoppage time has been. Take added. your 45 oh, no. down and stopwatch. No. At 90, boom, stopwatch. The anxiety yeah. kills me. Oh, Nico. Every time. But no, none of us know how long the actual time is. So we're just waiting and exactly. watching. Like, okay, now it's six minutes. And so when is he going to blow the whistle? <sighs> All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Jeff Shreves is going to join us on yes. the other side to preview the weekend ahead in the Premier League. Stay with us, everyone. We are unbreakable, unshakable faith right from the start. Talking way more than capable. Occasional fire, we got to stop. Location untraceable. Moving in silence, we made it smile. 
a big weekend in the Premier League coming up. Here's a look at the fixtures on the docket today. We've got Nottingham Forest taking on Tottenham 3 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that on USA Network. Then on Saturday, Man City will take on Crystal Palace. Newcastle will face Fulham. Arsenal take on Brighton. Then on Sunday, West Ham United will face Wolves. And this is the big one, guys. Liverpool hosting Manchester United 11.30 a.m. on NBC. And for more on the weekend ahead in the Prem, we are delighted to bring in our good friend, the one and only Jeff Shreves. Hello, Jeff. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you very much indeed. And I cannot wait for this game on Sunday. This is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the iconic fixtures of the Premier League. The two most successful teams in England, Manchester United, 20 titles, Liverpool, 19. They are that close. What brings, if you like, a little bit of extra spice around this one is, of course, that absolute hammering that Liverpool handed out last year when they beat them seven. Seven? Yes. Seven, seven goals? Seven goals, Jeff, say again. Zero. Thank you. Seven, zero. <laughs> it was an extraordinary day, and I think many, many Manchester United fans right now, given the current form of both sides, will be fearing the worst. Oh, my God. And I, I think for United, there needs to be some respect for the badge. And if we see a performance like in that second half mm. in the Champions League, Manchester United is going to get run over. There needs to be a change in attitude full across the board. And not, it's not only that 7-0. Jeff, I went to Old Trafford two years ago for that 5-0 thumping of Liverpool over Manchester United. It was, it was crazy, mm -hmm. honestly. And I took my then-girlfriend, now fiancé, Mariana, who doesn't usually go to football. And at first I was taking pictures. And then after second, third goal, I started putting my phone away. And all she could do is look over to the Liverpool, the Liverpool end and she was like, Oh, I want to go over there. <laughs> they look like they're having they're so having much fun. fun. The time of their lives. Oh, and she's like, Ollie's going to get sacked. Oh, no, Ollie. And it's, <laughs> that's the reality of, of Manchester United, that in, there's certain moments in these rivalry matches that not only do they lose, yeah. they get completely outclassed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're, what are they? They're, what, they're one win in ten in these fixtures right now, Manchester United. I just can't see, Nico, anywhere. Where are they going to find the form to take something to Anfield on Sunday? Because, look, let's be honest, they stunk the place out. They limped out of the Champions League. Bottom of the group, minus three on goals, despite being one of the top scorers in the competition. They're really, really poor right now. And the injuries, my days, what, have got 13 players unavailable for Sunday? either injured, not in favour, or suspended like Bruno Fernandes. Well, that begs the question. Hmm. I'd be interested to know from you folks, who do you think will captain the side on Sunday? They are literally, you know, bear in mind they lost Maguire and Shaw, who are probable candidates for the armband on Sunday. Who will actually take leadership of the team on Sunday? It's probably going to be Scott McTominay. He's one of the few yep. guaranteed starters under Ten Hag. So they've got real problems now. They're really going to have to if you like, reach with inside themselves, as you say, play for the badge and find something that we just simply haven't seen so far this season. I really do think they are up against it. And this is at Anfield as well. An absolute bear pit of a ground to go, <laughs> especially if you're Manchester United. And don't forget as well, they've got the stand opening, the extension to stand on Sunday. So there'll be 57,000 inside Anfield. It will be a raucous atmosphere I think Liverpool supporters will be looking for blood. I've never and only... I mean, I mean that in a sporting way, obviously. I they, think only... If they sniff a weakness, Liverpool take an early lead, they will absolutely go for them. 
I think only Susanna's dentist has seen this much of her teeth. <laughs> Look at the smile on her face. I, well, it do, it Every feels, time you mention, like, the stands are going to be full, the injuries, who's going to get, her so smile much. gets bigger and bigger. So much fun. But it just, it, it feels like, I mean, this, it couldn't have, the timing couldn't have been better for Liverpool and it could have been worse for Manchester United for this particular matchup um, for all the reasons that you talked about, Jeff. And for Liverpool, you know, I know they lost in Europa League, but they were playing all of their their young guys. I mean, so this is going to be a, a fairly rested Liverpool squad. I just, do you see any situation in where Manchester United can come out and get a result at Anfield? I mean, what is it going to take? Like, where could this game be won for them? Well, I, th I think what you touched upon there, and that that loss in the Europa League for Liverpool, because they, they played, as you said, it was a shadow team, it was a chance. I mean, look at the luxury, the difference between the two teams right now. Jurgen Klopp has got some real thinking to do about who he leaves out, where Eric Ten Hag is scratching around to find a decent starting eleven. So you look at that. Look at the momentum as well that Liverpool have right now. They're top of the table. They're winning matches without necessarily playing at their very best, where Manchester United... Well, what, they've lost seven already this season? That's the worst for 34 years. So they're in awful form right now. And also, they've got a poor, poor record against the top sides. I think they've got one, one, win, one point away from a possible 33 against the top nine of last season and this current top nine as well. So they don't stand up against the big sides either. <sighs> to answer your question, where do I see Manchester United getting something from on Sunday. I'll tell you why I would back Manchester United. And this might sound daft. Football is so unpredictable <laughs> and there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to fancy Manchester United going into this game, which is why they've got a chance, yeah. if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, yeah. It does. You're going up against the defending Premier League mm. manager of the month, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff... Yes, but, but defending against two, not, not a team of Liverpool's Exactly. Look at... Let's just look at goals scored. Double. Liverpool have scored double the number of goals of wow. Manchester United. Mo Salah's got 11 at the moment, and I saw a horrible stat. I think it is Hoyland, Rashford and Martial have got three goals between them in 39 hours of football. And so then... they're leaking goals, they're not scoring goals, they're short on numbers, they're short on confidence... Yet, this is Liverpool against Manchester United. Unless you've witnessed that game, as Nico has, I cannot tell you how fierce the rivalry. Whatever Manchester United have got, whatever bodies they've got, they will lay on the line on Sunday. They will give their absolute everything. But make no mistake, they are really up against it. And bizarrely, that 7-0 thumping last season, don't forget, Manchester United were actually above Liverpool in the table at the time. Oh, wow. So, Jeff, what is the latest on the Ratcliffe takeover and what could that mean for Ten Hag? Yeah, we, we've spoken about this one before, haven't we, Charlie? And it, it, it's odd because the word coming out is, first of all, the, the takeover isn't complete. It's not a complete taker, as we know, from Sir Jim Ratcliffe. It will be the football operations department. So that really will affect transfers and the actual performance of the first team, if you like. Will he come in and say, look, I don't actually blame Eric Ten Hag completely for all of this. Let's give him time and let's try and sort out the structure around him. Or will he say, no, we need a quick fix here? Because, of course, if they don't make Champions League next season, which is not looking likely, then that will impact their budget and what they can spend next summer as well. So 
Again, though, we have this complete lack of leadership throughout the club. It's a, a fuzzy, unclear picture with nobody really certain exactly what's going on, who's going to make the decision. I mean, we've speculated many times on Morning Footy, haven't we? Is Eric Ten Hag going to get the sack? We've also speculated many times who would actually make that decision. Well, Jeff, it's interesting that you say that if Ratcliffe came in and would he want to go with an Englishman and, and one name that's been floated around is Graham Potter, who's also available. Would that be a fit? Have you heard any rumblings of, of that being a potential move that Manchester United make? I have, I have seen that name floated. I, I can't see why Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who is an international businessman, would want particularly an Englishman. I think they would go for best fit for the job. I don't see why he would restrict himself in that fashion. And Graham Potter, it went horribly wrong for him at Chelsea. But again, there may be extenuating circumstances for that. A lot of the purchase were, purchases weren't necessarily his signings. I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe will come in with his team and he won't just look at the immediate results. I think he'll look for a long-term fix. Now, by that, I mean he would hope to turn it around within six to eight months. I think there'll be a lot more strategy. I think there'll be a lot more, if you like, joined up thinking and a lot more overall view of the situation, which is what Manchester United have desperately lacked for a long, long time. So, no, I, I don't expect immediate headlines. I don't think there'll be a lot of activity in this transfer window in January either. Hmm. If anything, there'll be more goings out than coming in. And then, I mean, that, that, that that's also interesting as well, Charlie, the timing, because it will take weeks to ratify as well, right. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, right. his takeover. So he may well miss the bulk of this transfer window. Can they influence it from behind the scenes before the takeover is actually implemented? Again, here we are. More and more questions about what is going on at Manchester United and who is taking charge. Shambles. I want to ask about who takes charge, but on the pitch. Uh, Jeff, I want... Can you tell me, give me one name of a player you think that reminds you of the days of old, of your Roy Keynes, your Eric Cantona's, who can, you know, say to the locker room or say to the to this dressing room, hey, we need to we need to play, we need to leave it all on the pitch, we need to play with our hearts, we need to do it for the badge, as Nico said, or is it maybe bringing in a player of old to come and talk to this to this team? Who do you think has that conversation with the rest of these players before this match for Liverpool that will help United at least get a result? Well, we talked about Scott McTominay. Uh, I think he's still their leading scorer in the Premier League right now. He's been at the club since he was eight years old. I think the club is in his DNA. I don't think anybody in the current squad, if you like, exemplifies more that traditional spirit of Manchester United players. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with him, Alexis. I definitely think he will stand up, he'll be counted, and he will tell these players exactly what is required. They'll know that. They're professionals anyway. But he would be the one if you like, if you were harking back to the days of old and the spirit of old Manchester United. Ooh, it's going to be fun. Liverpool taking on Manchester United, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Peacock. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. Always a pleasure. Have a fantastic weekend. And you, folks, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Susanna? Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, I will. I shall. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take another time out. We are previewing a big match in the Bundesliga on the other side. They didn't have Harry Kane in their ranks then. They do now. The shot driven in. He's absolutely stunning. 
Jules McKinnick at his best. And it is a small, spectacular step in the right direction for Bayern. Stuttgart has been sensational this season. 27 points racked up by the Southern Giant. Leading the charge, hands on! Spielberg Zetterer, and in! Because Stuttgart have strengthened their position in the top three of the Bundesliga. Welcome back. A big one in the Bundesliga this weekend on Sunday. Bayern Munich will host Stuttgart at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. This is a battle between the teams sitting one and two in the table. Stuttgart unbeaten in their last six matches. And both of these teams have something in common, and that is two goal scorers who are absolutely on fire right now in Harry Kane, who has 18 goals in the Bundesliga, and Seru Girassi with 16. So here's a look at these two head-to-head -head by the numbers. And, uh, I mean, you have to imagine that both of these guys are so crucial to their teams and to this particular matchup. Who are you giving the edge to in this, Charlie? Bayern Munich. They're at home, too. Um, Stuttgart obviously have impressed in every way this season. But we're talking about Bayern Munich. And I think from top to, to bottom, they, they are a machine. I, wouldn't they, agree. They, I don't agree. Top to bottom? Yeah, top to bottom. Mm. They have top, one weak yeah. point. But What's their weak point? Their back line. Defensively, they haven't been convinced. I wouldn't say it's a weak point. They haven't it's, played to their back. It's their weakest, weakest point. point. Okay, it might be their weakest point. It's not their weak. It's not a weakness. All right, but I, if you're gonna if you're gonna point at one thing as a weak point, it's the back line. How many goals have they given up this season? Five last week, actually. How many goals have have yeah. they given five up last this week? Five last week against okay. a team in what? How many in what goals position? have they given up this season? More than five, because that was last week. Okay, <laughs> fourteen. Okay, fourteen. So. Stuttgart has given up 16 this season, uh -huh. and you said five in one game. I didn't so say. Take neither one of us match. said Bayern's back line is weaker than Stuttgart's. That is, you said top to bottom, they're, what was the word you used, a beast? What was the word Machine. You a machine. I, I, they have a weak point, and that's their back line. That's the one thing they have as a weak you, point. The other day you said Neuer also wasn't at his best form. Mm -hmm. It's still taking and time. I'm still not convinced. There have been performances where Bayern have given up goals where they've had to go out and... Their best defense is their attack because they can score a crazy amount of goals. Mm -hmm. um, it's exciting to watch. Sorry, say it again. It's, a, it's exciting to watch, yeah. but it's, and, it's and, being and on a Stuttgart's high line with that Stuttgart has only given up five in the last five matches. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun game. I do think who has more muscle? For sure, Bayern Munich. And I think if Stuttgart ever dreams of winning the title, if Stuttgart ever dreams of making Champions League, if Girassi ever dreams of making a big money move in the winter or in the summer, in this game, the biggest game of the weekend, the top spiel in Germany, Girassi and Stuttgart have to prove that they can compete with the likes of Bayern Munich. And Stuttgart just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Bayer Leverkusen. And stood their ground and got top of the with table. a draw. Top of, and haven't they lost. They were home. And they haven't lost. What I'm saying is they stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the most electric team in this league. Mm -hmm. You don't think they can put up a little bit of a fight against Bayern Munich? I never said they couldn't put up a fight. Okay, I'm I asking. Said, I said Bayern Munich are the favorites going into this match. They're home. Well, of course. I expect Bayern Munich to win this match. Yeah, I would agree with everything you just said. There you go. Enough said. Uh, but I think there's an opening. Look, uh, if, oh, no, if we have like three minutes left between uh, Furrich and, and Undav, 
and Girasi, mm -hmm. they have this, this counter-pressing feeling. They, they can just pounce on you when you lose the ball. And in that attacking third near the box, they have to seize their opportunities. I don't know if they're going to get too many opportunities, but if they can bait Bayern Munich into a mistake defensively, which, again, over how many? 14 Bundesliga games, 13 for, for Bayern because of the game they didn't play. Of course, they're going to have good defensive numbers. They're, the quality that they have is far better than most teams in this league. But in precise moments, there have been defensive inefficiencies and Stuttgart has an opportunity. If there's anywhere where the game is you know won, it's in those moments. You know why? It's because Bayern Munich leaves their defenders 1v1 or they play too high of a line sometimes and then you're forced to recover and play, you know, it's almost like panic defending. But when you're looking at this team, Stuttgart, they're very good in possession. They're a possession team. They're not a sit back and counter team and mm. just play with Girassi. Girassi's a player who stays in the box. He stays high. Whereas you see Harry Kane, he'll check deep. In Champions League, he's Absolutely. defending at his own 18. Mm -hmm. he, he's committed, but he's also a player that gives more space to those wingers. And Leroy Sané, Musiala, who just got back. So you're talking about players who are game changers all over the pitch for Bayern Munich. And this is going to be, I mean, we saw what they were against Leverkusen, and they did very well. Leverkusen played, I think, more of a defensive game playing away from home. Now you're playing against a Bayern Munich team who's going to be Absolutely. aggressive. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, do they revert or do they stick, stay true to who they are and try and possess the ball in, in Munich? Um, for me, it, there's just too many weapons for Bayern Munich. And out, when Alfonso Davies getting high and getting involved, uh, they're, they're just that much more dangerous. I think Eintracht Frankfurt showed you a little bit of a blueprint. And of course, this comes with the caveat that Bayern Munich were not on their game. Uh, but you're gonna have to, it's gonna have to be a swingers match. Like it's gonna have to, a swingers bout. You're gonna have to put your gloves down. You're just gonna have to go to toe, toe to toe with them and hope they don't score as many of you scored. And I know that sounds rudimentary, but you're gonna have to go after them and hope because the whole thing is Bayern Munich are just gonna want to score more than you've scored. Essentially, they're not gonna try to stop you from scoring. They're just gonna be like, all right, you're gonna get three. I'll get four. I'll get five. You're gonna have to try to go after them and attack them as hard as you possibly can and hope they can't keep up with you. Which is what I think I track Frankfurt in a way came out to look, try to Look play. at the United game in the Champions League. Not this past one, the match day two or whatever it was. They, they, they leaked, they were, really, they were really leaking. And again, I don't know if Stuttgart's at the quality individually that Manchester United is, well, no, I have my doubt. <laughs> but, oh my God, you guys are children. I know. <laughs> but, Honestly, you can't oh, take well. us anywhere. Well, this is. Oh, oh, you, I'm not going to tell you what my bet is for the weekend now. Oh. But it involves this Ooh. match. Ooh. So yes, I will be Stugart paying very close attention. Oh, both teams I know, to score. Guess, both teams to score. One thirty. For sure. One thirty on Sunday on ESPN Plus. Bayern Munich taking on Stuttgart. The BTTS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll see. She's You'll killing see it with the both teams to score, You'll see bro. what it is. All right, we are going to take a break, uh, but lots more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere.